Welcome to the Listening Party Podcast. My name is Rebecca Haas, and I'm the Director of Community Engagement for Pacific Opera Victoria. The Listening Party Podcast was born of the isolation from the pandemic. It was inspired by memories I had of great nights that I'd spent with many friends, sitting around someone's living room, sharing records years ago, and depending on your age, maybe they're cuts from your favorite CD, or these days, we share YouTube clips. But what's really going on is we are linking our lives together through stories and music. And as we continue to have more and more of our population vaccinated, I very much look forward to in-person listening parties in my future. But for now, we remain virtual here in the podcast. Music really does bring us together. It's a link, a bridge, and it's that bridge that we'll explore today. What's unique about today's episode is that while anyone can listen and enjoy this podcast, I actually created it thinking about the emerging opera singer. In today's episode, you're going to hear an edited roundtable discussion from this past season's Civic Engagement Quartet. These four emerging singers gave not only of their singing voices, through the creation of music video and an audio music trail, but they also shared with our local community. They shared through youth workshops and engagement events with our local library and museum. They shared their personal voices with us. After their eight weeks of training, they sat around the virtual Zoom table with me and responded to a series of one-word prompts that I offered. For the non-singers, it's fascinating to see inside the mind of the artist. And for singers, you're going to hear real honest conversations about what it is to be a freelance artist in a world after the death of George Floyd. The second part of this podcast is an opportunity to hear from an emerging opera artist who just finished her two years with the Holland Community Opera Fellowship. This program, that is produced by Opera Omaha, focuses on creating long-term community relationships with their artists and residents. How does an opera singer create relationships with women who are living in a shelter? Gwenefer Child Taylor answers this question and many more. But first, the round table and the one word prompts. Here are the reflections of our civic engagement quartet. What's changing? How does it feel to be called upon to do more than sing? And most importantly for artists, when do you get your passport stamped and feel you can call yourself an artist? And so much more. In order, you're going to hear in the first clip. Micah Schroeder, Charlotte Siegel, Simran Clare, and Caden Forsberg. I'm going to be moderating, and from there, I think you can just follow the conversation as it unfolds. So I thought it would be kind of fun to reflect on the whole gamut of the experiences we've had over this time period in both projects you've worked on. And I thought I would just offer up words that I think are probably things that are impacted by what we've been up to, and just have you reflect as a group on what that word, maybe what it has meant to you, what it means to you now, maybe how it shifted maybe what it's the, it looks like in the future of opera. I'm going to make it a rather large thing, but uh, words as prompts. So maybe the obvious one is what do you think the word community engagement means at this point in your process? I think I'll, I can start. I mean, I always start. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, when I would think of community engagement before and opera, I thought the only way that it really exists is, you know, school tour, I'm going to dance in front of people and they're going to look at the dance. I mean, I'm not dance, but sing, but like that in that transaction. And I think my perspective on that has shifted that it's more than just bringing music to people, but like, I think I want to envision community engagement as like ways we can use music or any other skills we have 
to connect with other people in specific communities? Yeah, I'd say it's um, continued engagement and relationship building. And the opera part comes after. I think those are the most important steps. And once you are building a relationship with someone, then they're interested in your hobbies and your interests. And then you, that's how you build a relationship. And so I kind of think that's the way forward with that. Yeah, I think the community aspect is like something that I've been thinking about that like we don't create opera in a bubble. Like we are all part of a community, whether that be like a regional one or like something to do with our own identities. But just like, I guess, keeping that at the forefront of my mind when I am in an opera space, like that we don't exist in this like bizarre, strange, like little bubble. Yeah, I think that's something I've taken away. Uh, I think when I used to think of community engagement, I like would think of two extremes, like on one hand, like the school tour that Micah mentioned, like sort of like the bare minimum of doing opera just somewhere that isn't the main stage, right? Like that, that is one. And then the other would be like community engagement. That's like, like more akin to like social work, which is stuff that we've explored in this, in this program where like, yeah, the, the art side or the opera side of it is like super, super backseat. And it's really about like solving like community uh, uh, problems and in a way that like, yeah, a social worker often would. And I think during this program, what I've also then been challenged by or like really been thinking is like, is that just like the two realities or is it like this whole continuum in between and like projects can always have community engagement as part of it. And depending on the project and the community, there can be more or less all the way to, yeah, you know, thinking social problems first and foremost to just taking it out of the theater, that there's all this stuff in between. When we're taught, when we're doing opera, when we're conceiving of projects, like we did in the fall, right, conceived of something from like the ground up, or when we're hired into a show just as like a piece, that there's just like needs to be space for like the questions of community engagement, that that's part of the process, that we're not just asking what's the music and who's doing it, but also what's the community, how are we engaged, to what extent are we co-creating, etc. I think also like another thing I'm thinking about right now is like how can we keep asking ourselves how can we use community? How can the idea of using community meet our, our music making and creative endeavors outside, uh, like beyond going beyond thinking that community engagement is a way to get opera out there, but like community engagement is a way is like, an, can be another, um, another prong of how we are artists, you know, making music, making art, by engaging with community as a as like a, a thing we take really seriously and something that can be valuable a- aside from like community engagement being a way that we can like get bums in seats so that more people know what opera is totally i want to jump in on that as well like um i think like as members of community the art that we create will inherently be for that community and will create more connection within that community. So I think like the whole process is like cyclical rather than transactional. Thank you for that. That's a really lovely exploration of it. You know, the, of course the question then becomes for me, which is not my one word, I'll go back to my one words, but I think just before we leave this, cause we're sort of in the middle of it. I think, you know, you are artists really at a certain point where you will see a lot of change in the opera field, obviously. Uh, the pandemic has made a big shift as well, but. A number of companies have been trying to figure out this community piece. 
Um, and we have been looking at artists who come from absolutely a background. We are trained through university to show up with our score, learn to work with conductor, make a show. And, and community has not really played a central role except through a marketing lens as a rule. Uh, but I'm wondering if you have really been thinking this year about your own aspirations for what it would look like in the future. Like, and really for your needs as artists, like what would you like to see in the field so that you could be fully expressed? I think for me, in my kind of ideal utopian future, um, although I do love the traveling aspect of this uh, of this career, I I think that it would also be amazing to be kind of a resident artist in on a long term scale, um, so that we could be active members of our communities, so that. Um, we could foster relationships that last longer than six weeks or five weeks or however long um, so that the artist collective, I guess, as I imagine it, could form its own community, but then also be part of a larger sphere. I don't know. Sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, um, I think thinking about how much our industry will hopefully continue changing as we go forward. I'd love to see individual artists put more value on being communicative with their community. And I feel like I've talked to a lot of artists over the years who see it as a burden that they have to go out and do some kind of community show and that it's taking away from their art. Um, and that's not what they studied for. And I really hope that we get to a place where we think outside of ourselves and really as members of um, like telling a communal story. I think kind of but like sort of connected to this is like like what Simran said earlier about how like we're not we don't make art in like a vacuum right we are all part of community and then like what Charlotte was saying that like we're not just like we are artists like I would love to see like we're whole artists we're we're part of a community we're from a community like we have all have context I would just like to feel I guess more like we're all being hired or or collaborated with like as full artists um, rather than just a voice type, you know what I mean? Like instead of just, or, or, I mean, in your best case scenario, just a Tamino or, or something like that, like that's what you are, but to see, um, I, I think it's just an experience that's unfortunately been somewhat rare where I felt like I've been hired for like all the things I'm bringing from the community that I'm from, from the communities that I can uh, easily reach from all the things that like make up me and my, my artistic expression and communication and ability. Uh, and when I have been able to bring all of those things, it's been an incredible experience um, for me, but I think also makes the product better when people are brought in like so holistically like that. I, I think I also would love to see more artists be not only not give themselves permission and empowerment but encouraged to to be like whole artists and to draw their artistry from all of the parts of their being and their history and 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 their life rather than what it can feel like to me that we have this idea of the opera artist and the opera career and the way to be successful is to go be in operas on the big stage and i don't mean that like Sometimes that, that can be like, oh, well, I'm having my version of a career and like that can sometimes in someone's actual mind be still be like a weapon against them. Whereas I want people to be encouraged to like something I've been experiencing through this session and the first one was that like we are amazing artists and we have a lot to say and it goes way deeper than our ability to learn an opera aria and perform it, whether it's like in an audition or in a concert or on the big stage. And I think 
sometimes in our classical music realm, we like turn off those other parts of us because we haven't been encouraged or we haven't known how to bring, like find space for all of the parts of us in that room. I'm going to take that as they puff to the next word, which um, I think I'm not going to explain it because I think you probably all know what it means having spent eight weeks on different things I've forced you all to do. Uh, producer. <laughs> what do you think about when you hear the word producer? Uh, so the first thing I think about when I hear word, word, word producer is the risk taker, right? Like in like the big, like whatever it is, Hollywood or like music or concert tours, right? The producer is the one who like takes on all the risk. It is usually financial. Um, so when I think of like what we've done, which is like very self-produced, but not like the financial risk, I think though, we're still the risk taker. I think that's like, what's, that's why it feels like accurate when we've had to produce things. And when it's kind of been like, you guys are not just the singers, you are now the producers of the thing. It's like, okay, we're actually taking on, right. Not the financial, but the like artistic risk, the like reputational risk in a way, the, the risk of being really vulnerable. That's that's what I think. So I think it is tied to the, for me, it is still tied to the, let's say like the industry standard, like official term of what a producer is. Um, that that like qualitatively is the same, even if it's in a different, uh, an, a different element that's being risked. What comes to my mind is, is like thinking, but before all of our time, I would have thought, but when I think of the word producer, I'd be like, not me. And now I think of, I think of, I mean, maybe not like I'm me, but I think of like something, something that's possible because what I learned in our first sessions was me and all of my colleagues have something really cool to say. At least I experienced for myself, like I have, I have instincts and there were choices I made and really clear things I wanted or didn't want or liked or didn't like. And I didn't know, I didn't know that I had all of that specificity in me because I had never given myself permission to wear that hat. I think being vulnerable in that way was incredibly empowering just because it's not something that I'd ever been allowed to do in the classical world at all. And I think, I mean, we were talking about things we'd like to see change. I'd love us to be able to fail in a public way a lot more and not be like torn to shreds. I really think it's important for us to be able to get away from that. And I think that also ties into the indigenous teachings that we've been learning about, like arriving to a specific moment. It's not about that. It's about the journey. And I think us being allowed to explore our own values and artistic ideas has been so eye-opening and I'm really excited to keep exploring that in the future. Yeah, I think as singers, our voices are valued, but in the sense that our literal like physiological voices are valued. I don't know that our like voices as people, like our thoughts, our, our producer voices have been valued historically. Um, so it's been amazing to step into that, um, that space and explore that for ourselves. It's as Charlotte's just said, it was very empowering. And then probably it makes sense that on the heels of that, I would offer up the word process a lot of this workshop uh both of them have been about process and that's um not something people ever get to see process the process is the best part it's my favorite part i love that it gets to change with every single project that you get to do and i think as we we're coming out of school you're so used to one process where you like learn it translate coach show up like 100 percent ready like don't make mistakes and that's kind of like the process that we learn um, but we, we've been able to explore and change rep 
and like just be our full selves and um that has just I mean I'm going backwards to what I said but it's been such a beautiful experience um yeah I love the challenge and I just love the idea of not having to arrive at a finished beautiful product at the end because is anything perfect ever um it's all about how you get there so yeah ironically though I feel like like in the first session, we did have a product that we were going to create. But in this session, I mean, we have our land songs, but that is a pretty low stakes thing. And having literally basically no like end goal or like objective end thing that we are moving towards, I feel like I worked so much more and on developing as an artist. And I feel way more assured as an artist and confident in my individuality and what I have to say myself than I did before and we didn't have a project to do really you know it it shows me how much how much growth we can do when we don't even have something we have to do and you just you know put yourself in a pressure cooker of creativity with other creative people in different scenarios and like something things start to happen you know in a transformative way yeah i think um it's nice to be able to be less future oriented it's allowed me to be in the moment and to um i guess listen and respond <laughs> to um what i've been what i've been feeling and like the experiences that i've been having no, I, I mean, I have known for a long time that I'm like a huge fan of process. Um, like some the a phrase that I like often would hear like working in theater, they'd be like, that's great, but like, like let's just keep the play in it, right? Of this idea that even past opening night, like let's keep, keep it playful, let's like, keep the process in it, let's see if it evolves, right? Especially if you're doing a run of a, sh run of a show for like six weeks, right? Like hopefully it's different uh, as it moves forward. Um, and I think sometimes we don't get to do that in opera. And honestly, it's probably because of budget, like... You're, you're in for like two and a half weeks of rehearsal on a show that everybody's done before, that everybody had to have learned before you got there. And then you only perform it three times and then you all go home. So it's it's been really cool to see getting to stay in that genre of opera, but like have expanded time, have like projects that aren't so like restricted mostly because of budget and the amount of moving parts. So that process can be part of it. And I would love to see moving forward like I know you can't have probably everyone in the rehearsal hall and an orchestra and all of it there to keep process alive for as long as in, in, you know, heaven it would be. Um, but is there a way we can like start the process earlier and, and work on process before as a group, not just with our coaches before we show up, you know, to, yeah, is there some way to think creatively so we can have a little more process even in our like main stage, let's say. Do you not wonder though, if what may, what like pulls us out of the process is just the, the sheer mentality and intention that people have that like, we got to finish, we got to get to the end. Like if, even if you just had two weeks to rehearse something and every person w had their intention that we're working together and we're finding, we're, we're like going to create something beautiful and we don't know what that is exactly yet. I think at the end of the two weeks, you'd have something awesome. Like, yeah, I think, I think so. But I, I don't think like, just because you're having to put on a show, I don't think that like stops process. Like when we were making these videos, in some ways that's like 
that's like a final published thing. That's like less mm -hmm. process than a live show because it's actually a definitive version at some point. Yet I think something we all shared is like pretty much up until the moment it was like published online, like there was some uncertainty and we were still making like big decisions. Like I, I cut a huge chunk of mine at like midnight the day before it was like gonna, needed to be like finalized, right? Like to keep that alive all the way through. But I think that had to do with like attitude and time and the continual reinforcement. Like there's a reason why in theater I've, I've heard many times people say, let's keep the play in it is because it is easy to forget. I think when you're like, it's opening night time to like ossify. Um, so it's probably something we have to just like really focus on. I don't know. I think that like maybe a reason for that is because the stakes, as someone said earlier, the stakes are always so high. Um, there's so much capital investment and there's so much, I don't know, pomp and circumstance that like we don't feel like we're allowed to play. Uh, we don't want to ruin anything. And also like, I don't know, superstitions also sometimes come into play where like, oh, I can't do it this way. Like I always do it this certain way. Like, oh, if I do one extra scale when I warm up, like I'm not gonna be able to sing the role. I don't know. It's just like, I think it's very cultural in opera to like really just leave it, just keep it as is. I'm just, I'm just like kind of making some connection. I don't know what it is yet exactly, but just like a yearning for the, this like permission to like fr have a fresh start all the time. There's something about that idea that I want more in the way we have process, the way we prepare, the way we come into the room, the way we make mistakes. And it relates back to what Charlotte was saying too. Like if we can, if we can approach our process with the, the presence of this idea that like we're allowed a fresh start all the time, maybe that helps us keep that play that Caden's talking about alive all the time and kind of maybe helps us lower the stakes it's really all about what you value, right? And I think that's what we're pointing at, right? About the unwritten rules around opera. Like there are just things that are in place that it's not written down, but it's kind of how we do it. And there is this, um, we're all sort of talking about this sense of pomp and circumstance and the money invested. And no one really comes into the room and says, you know, we invested a lot of money. So like, please always do it the same way. But we, we have internalized how we think it's supposed to be. And it doesn't always allow for a sense of fresh start or kindness and forgiveness. And we have passed on a certain way of being in the rehearsal room and what we think the expectations are. Right? And it comes from all of our mentors and teachers. We just keep feeding it to the next and the next and the next, which is I think why it's, it's challenging uh, to change. Because people have a lot of fear about what happens if we don't do it the way we always did it. I have another word for you, artist. I'm gonna say exists outside of your art. And I feel finding that person is essential to finding out who you are as an artist. And that's a beautiful thing that you've given to us this year. It just informs everything you wanna do and say, and it changes all the time. Of course, realizing that you are a person outside of opera is so important. That's what I will say about artists. <laughs> yes, I love it. And it just reminds me, I think Oscar Wilde said something like, if you can't make art, you may as well be it, which I feel like that's what it is. Like, I, and that's I, I, like, so artist, I think like personality and, and like vibrant and life. And it's like, it's like thorough all the way. Can't just be when you sit down at the easel or at the piano or whatever it is, it's gotta be everywhere. I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like, I don't want to say for the first time, that sounds kind of like dramatic, but I feel like through this process, I really started to believe that I am an artist no matter what, whether I'm singing 
or making a video or doing a painting or something. And I've heard people say that to me before, like, oh, you're, or I've heard people say that to singers, like you're a singer no matter what, whether you have a big career or a small career. But when I've heard those words, I still kind of end up hearing them as like a weapon against my, like from my ego saying like, yeah, you're an artist, sure, you're a singer, blah, 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 but like you still wanna have a big career. I think it started to hit me when I made my video and I was just so proud of it. And I, I was so like astonished by my, like the things I was like that, I did or came up with or whatever that I just thought like, Oh wow. Like I really, I really am like an art. I'm, I really am as amazing as my mom thinks. Yeah. I don't really have anything to add. Everybody spoke so eloquently and I agree wholeheartedly with everything. I love it. We are artists. It's true. Like we can own it. It's my favorite thing to bring into the room, right? Because the, for year after year, when I go and work at a young artist program, it's that sort of, um, I get so much pushback on using that word that somehow there's that funny discussion of like, well, when am I an artist? When do I get my passport stamped? And now I'm an artist. And there are, there are, uh, there are outside gatekeepers for sure, but we have so many inside gatekeepers. And I feel like one of the things I've learned out of the program is that if you give opera singers, my air quotes, if you give opera singers the chance to actually express in a larger palette, then the opera singer begins to realize that they're an artist because they're manifesting in so many ways because they actually got to push outside of the, I made a beautiful sound, which is so so much of our life is spent trying to make that sound. And it's important and we need that piece. But I always am sad that we never come back around to once we learn to make the sound, now I can go and do all these things with it, right? But we get just trapped and then continually trying to make the sound. So that's what I think is really probably the next step of training that we would start to really offer, that everyone would shift that view and create that opportunity for artists to see that fuller sense of themselves and really own that title of artist and not just have to go around saying they're an opera singer. I think a big piece of it for me too has been being able to witness my three amazing colleagues here and, and our little mentees being able to witness everyone else be on their journey and talk about it with each other has really solidified for me that discovering our artistry is really just about like pulling the veil to the side and seeing what's already there, you know? And it relates back to something that Lindsay said to me in my one-on-one session where she was like, you have everything that you need inside of you right now for any experience that will arise. Not only are we ready for any experience, but like all of that stuff, it was inside of us the whole time. It wasn't like, I didn't like make it from nowhere. No, you're so right. Um, I think also just speaking so openly and honestly with each other. And that first meeting when we were all like, do we know what we're doing? Like, you know, we're, we're all on this journey together and it's a vulnerable process. And so, yeah, as you said, just, just sharing that experience that we're all feeling a little uneasy, but we're going to try and support each other and go for it anyway. We're artists supporting artists. <laughs> That's a great final thought from Charlotte. Maybe we can finally move beyond pitting artists against each other with the vision of a pie with only so many companies and only so much work available. Maybe the future that we're talking about for emerging artists also includes a stronger peer network. My name is Buena Fairchild-Taylor. Uh, I'm a soprano and teaching artist and curriculum consultant uh, from Canada originally and, and coming back pretty soon, but I've been in Nebraska for the last two years. 
Gwenna is in Nebraska because she's a member of a unique program called the Holland Community Opera Fellowship. Opera Omaha has artists in there for two years at a time, young opera singers engaging with the community and meeting needs identified by that community. Simran earlier in the roundtable conversation wondered what that would be like. Rather than jumping in for one or two visits and then leaving town again, what would it be like to be a resident artist? I asked Gwenna what that was like and what did it mean to her to create long-term, ongoing relationships in community through her art form. Here is Gwenna. Working with women at a, at a shelter in, in Iowa. And um, it was my last week of the fellowship. I was teaching a workshop <laughs> over the phone of all things for a senior center uh, in, a, in a part of Omaha. And uh, in that workshop, a participant I had had from the shelter in my first semester phoned in because uh, she was a a senior and um, she had been connected with that service. And she said, oh, hi, Gwenna, I miss you so much. Like I found housing, this, that, and the other thing. And that's, that's the thing I feel that you don't get when you're sort of popped into a community in the same way. I mean, I know technically that's true for me. I was only here for a couple of years, but I, I worked with that particular woman for, I'm going to say like eight months. And then there was an eight month gap and then I heard from her in a different place. And that kind of relationship, that's sort of really, really beautiful to me. And that's, that's what makes it different, is you get to have the time to do that. Traditionally with opera companies, community engagement was work that was done to build audiences and offer education. But that's not what Gwenna is doing at the women's shelter. I asked her how opera can be a bridge into community. The Civic Engagement Quartet discussed this in their roundtable. How does opera translate to these places? Well, <laughs> you have to be a lot more creative than, than you know, I, and I say just, but like just going in and singing some songs. There's value in singing some songs. I love singing songs. You know, I, I have two degrees in singing songs. Um, but you have to think, what are, the, what are the components of opera that make it special? And how can I make those um, a creative experience for someone? And so for me, like I've actually done, um, I do sing in workshops and there is singing but the vast majority of stuff I've done has actually often uh, been focused on bridging like music and visual art um, or music and writing or music and story creating or music and poetry and all of this stuff that I had done a, a fair amount of stuff before I got to Opera Omaha, but not in that way, not in that sort of visual art kind of component way. And that's been really interesting. And the thing I guess I would say about building an audience that I found so interesting about this is you end up building an audience by like not trying to build an audience. Uh, the example I'll give is when you build relationships with people in a community and it's, it's a true genuine relationship, people wanna know things about you and the things that you love. And I often frame my own opera singing as the way I am creative and the way that I love to be creative. And then I ask the question, what are the ways that you love to be creative? And as that relationship grows, people want to see you and they want to see opera. And circling back to the women's shelter, we ended up taking a bunch of women from the shelter to the opera multiple times, uh, not this season because, you know, pandemic, but last season who asked to go. It wasn't in the plan at all, but they asked. And, and so we were able to take them to a performance as our guests and we went with them and it was beautiful. And that's kind of the way to get at that, I think. 
Gwenna was interested in community and music from very early on. As Charlotte pointed to, rather than this passion taking her from her art form, she sees it as a part of her artistic practice. How does she see her community work as it relates to her opera singing career? You know, that's a that's a really big component of my artistry, and that's how I see it. And there are more and more places who, who are starting to understand that and um, see it as a as as valuable and see it as a gift. And I, I really appreciate that. But I started actually, I've been teaching um, I guess forever in different ways. Um, my first job was assisting at a program that the COC was running for kids after school. And I was, I don't know, 14, young, 15. Yeah. And then I, I did my undergrad and my mom, uh, she's a lawyer and she, she moved to Nunavut of all places. And because of that, I had, had to, um, I went to visit her and I had the most amazing experience of, of building music and drama programming uh, there. And it started small. And then the biggest it got was, was four different fly-in communities, uh, music and drama in partnership with schools and communities and all that stuff. That is a, a, a tremendous gift that um, I am so privileged to have. And, and it's been so wonderful for, for, for me and my artistry and um, also just being able to uh, build spaces together with communities um, from that sort of early on gave me the, the drive to continue to do it in, in multiple ways in lots and lots of places. I find it overwhelming to think that at 20, she created a program for four fly-in communities and that she sees it as part of her artistic practice. What was the fire in her belly for this? Let's see if I can say it without weeping. Um, I think... I think everybody deserves uh, spaces and opportunity um, that validate their voices and their ideas and their stories. Um, and that's sort of what, what drives me in everything that I do. I think that um, I, see, I see truth and reconciliation as, as a personal responsibility. And, and that's, that's one of my contrib- contributions as a personal responsibility. You know, it, it hasn't been perfect and I've learned a whole lot along the way but I think running programming up north was a very difficult thing for me to do but it, it was also one of the most or the most meaningful set of experiences I've, I've ever had and worth all of the all of the the things that it, it took to get there for me as I said earlier that's a that's a part of my artistic practice and it took me a long time to figure that out lots of conversations that teaching artistry component is is part of my artistry and can't really be separated. And that, the same is true of my performing. Like if, if I was only doing teaching artistry work, um, that wouldn't be a sort of complete picture of what my artistry was either. And so it's been sort of finding the balance and trying to figure it out. I'm really fascinated by this larger sense of the artist. When there has been this myth that a good opera singer is only singing opera. What does Gwenna have to say to that? I know that, like, for instance, I have a really visceral memory of someone saying to me that um, while I might as well just be a teacher, uh, yeah, it makes me cringe. I might as well just be a teacher because if I wanted to be an opera singer, I'd just get a regular, you know, bartending or a barista job or whatever and put all of my energy into opera singing. (laughs) Meanwhile, I was actually putting all of my energy into my singing and my teaching the whole time. And it was really confusing and at the time quite angering to me because I've learned so much from teaching 
so much about my own singing. And that's like the tangible things about what you learn when you're teaching a voice lesson about your own instrument. But more so than that, all of that life experience makes me a, 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 an artist, like a better artist, in my opinion. That, that's my like mini rant on it. The, the tides are starting to turn with regards to how we see this work. I have, I have lots and lots of hope for the future as we continue to have these conversations and um, as things are, are sort of more understood as part of opera and all of the amazing things opera can do. Gwenna gave a workshop for our Civic Engagement Quartet and has appeared in several other places now as a mentor in community work. What is she hearing from emerging artists as they consider community engagement? All of the people I've met so far, I speak of their, I've heard many of them sing, but I, I speak of their personal voices. Their personal voices, th- their unique perspectives are so um, smart and beautiful and, and creative. And that's what we have um, coming up. We have all these people who want to share um, who they are and who want to do this kind of work um, and who have all sorts of ideas about how to do it. And I, I can't wait to see in the next, you know, what's it going to be, five or 10 years, see what, see what comes, comes up from, from all these wonderful people with all of these um, different perspectives. What is her advice for the next generation of singers? I think, you know, you know who you are is what I would say. All of the identities you hold and the, the loves you have in the world, that can be part of your your life and your creative practice and your career. There's lots and lots of, of things that have been shaken up. And so if you can muster some, some bravery in, in, in who you are and what you want to say, I feel like now's, now's the time. I mean, it's always the time, but now's the time. Now's the time. I love that call to action for singers. Be brave. And the bravest thing you can do is embrace who you are. Share with your audiences the fullness of you. I promise you, that's what your audience really wants. Well, that's the podcast for this month. My thanks to Gwyneth Fairchild-Taylor and the Civic Engagement Quartet, Charlotte, Micah, Caden, and Simran. Their insights are so useful, helpful, and I find them inspiring for the future of opera. Thank you for taking the time to listen and join us for these conversations. And don't forget to check out the Spotify playlist that accompanies this podcast. My guest Gwenna shares music that has mattered to her. Until the next time, take care of yourselves and continue to be kind to one another. Bye for now.